all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy for Women, the show all about addressing issues of health and wellness from a woman's perspective. I'm Karen Brown with Dr. Michelle Owen, specialist in maternal fetal medicine and OBGYN at UMMC. Today we have two guests, including Dr. Randy Jordan. We are talking about facial aesthetics. Do you know what that is? I wasn't sure myself, but I'm going to find out, and so are you. It has to do with things like uh, Botox and laser treatments and, you know, making your face look better. So we'll find out. If you have questions, you probably will. Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING, 1-877-672-7464. You can also send an email if you'd like to women at mpbonline.org. We'll be back to start the show right after news from NPR here on MPB Think Radio. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Louise Schiavone. A federal judge in California today hears arguments in a lawsuit filed by San Francisco and other jurisdictions. They're seeking to block the Trump administration's crackdown on sanctuary cities. NPR's Richard Gonzalez has details. San Francisco is the first city to sue the administration, seeking to prevent the government from cutting off federal funds from jurisdictions that don't cooperate with immigration authorities. The threat came in the president's executive order on immigration enforcement. The city says the order is unconstitutional and coercive because the administration can't require local governments to enforce federal immigration laws. The Justice Department will argue that San Francisco's lawsuit is premature because the administration has not decided how it will implement the executive order and the city can't yet show that it has been harmed. Richard Gonzalez, NPR News, San Francisco. Afghanistan's defense ministry says 36 ISIS fighters were killed this week in a massive bombing by U.S. forces. NPR's Scott Horsley reports that President Trump called the bombing a very successful mission. The U.S. military used a cargo plane to drop the 11-ton bomb on a network of caves and tunnels used by ISIS. It's the largest conventional weapon the U.S. military has ever employed on the battlefield. President Trump says he's given the military wide latitude to go after ISIS, or what he described as total authorization. Afghan authorities say no civilians were hurt in the bombing, which took place in a remote area not far from the border with Pakistan. Another U.S. bombing in Syria this week killed 18 Allied troops after they were mistakenly identified as ISIS fighters. Scott Horsley, NPR News, Washington. Two drug makers who believe Arkansas plans to use their product in seven executions this month are asking a federal judge to intervene. Sarah White's Kodachek with Arkansas Public Media explains. The companies filed an amicus brief in the final day of a court hearing on the inmates' challenge to upcoming executions. Arkansas is trying to execute seven men in 10 days this month before its supply of one of its three lethal injection drugs expires. Fresenius Cabby USA and Westward Pharmaceuticals Corporation were named last year as the manufacturers of Arkansas supply of two lethal injection drugs. 
The companies have prohibited the use of their drugs in executions. The state has acknowledged it purchased lethal injection drugs through a middleman that violated its contract with a manufacturer. A ruling in the inmate's case is expected before the first scheduled execution on Monday. For NPR News, I'm Sarah Weitz-Kodachek in Little Rock. The Labor Department reports consumer prices fell by their steepest margin in more than two years. Owing to a drop in energy prices, the declined three-tenths of a percent in March, the first monthly decline in 13 months. This is NPR. Retail sales fell for a second straight month in March, led to a degree by a drop in car purchases and restaurant spending. The Commerce Department reports retail sales were down two-tenths of a percent last month, with a revised 0.3 percent drop in February. Security is high in Rome for Good Friday ceremonies. The city has been on high alert during Holy Week following recent terror attacks. Christopher Livesey reports. Bomb squads and sniffer dogs are clearing the Colosseum and other areas where Pope Francis will soon walk through the Stations of the Cross, reflecting on the crucifixion of Jesus. Rome and the Vatican are especially sensitive sites between Good Friday and Easter Sunday, among the most sacred dates on the Christian calendar in what's known as Holy Week. The added security comes days after twin bombs exploded at two Coptic churches in Egypt on Palm Sunday, killing 45 people. The Pope is expected to address terror attacks on Christians before the end of Holy Week on Sunday. For NPR News, I'm Christopher Livesay. With a hot focus on presidential elections there, Facebook says it's identified 30,000 fake accounts in France as part of a worldwide effort against misinformation. Facebook and Twitter are under pressure by European authorities to block extremist propaganda or other postings that violate European hate speech or other laws. Facebook and French media also running fact-checking programs in France to combat misleading information, especially around the campaign for the upcoming two-round presidential election. I'm Louise Schiavone, NPR News. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Mile IQ. The Mile IQ app automatically tracks business miles to streamline and maximize deductions or expenses. The Mile IQ app is available for download in the App Store and Google Play. This is Southern Remedy for Women with Dr. Michelle Owens on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, women at mpbonline.org. And now... Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. Thank you for listening this morning to Southern Remedy for Women. I'm Karen Brown here with Dr. Michelle Owens. She is an expert, a specialist in maternal fetal medicine and OBGYN at UMMC. That's the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Today we are talking about facial aesthetics. And it sounds like what you think facial aesthetics look sounds like. Looking beautiful in Looking your face. beautiful, making yourself look <laughs> to be the best you you can be. And with us this morning to help explain what that entails and how many options there are is Dr. Randy Jordan. He is a facial plastic surgeon. And Lita Collins, who is a medical esthetician. Say that 10 times fast. Aesthetician. That's right. <laughs> I can just say it once slowly. 
So we welcome your questions. You'll hear about it first, and then you're going to have questions. I'm quite certain of it. And the number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring one 672 If you'd prefer, you can send an email to women at mpbonline.org. First off, good morning, Dr. Owens. Good morning. And welcome to our two guests. We always start by asking you about yourselves, where you're from, why you chose this field, where you went to school, whatever you want to share. We'll start with you, Dr. Jordan. Hi, thanks for having me on the show. I uh, went to the University of Florida for my undergraduate school of medical education and my residency in otolaryngology. Then I completed a one-year fellowship in facial plastic surgery with Galen McCullough in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, I've been at the uh, University of Mississippi uh, in the Department of Otolaryngology as a facial plastic surgeon for 15 years now. So we're Say just that glad word that with... you kept it in the SEC. I Say just that, that word again because you practiced it for many years. Or, or did, what is Otolaryngology. Ot- Ot- ear, nose, and throat surgery. Otolaryngology, right. Yeah. Otolaryngology. SEC. <laughs> that's, that's the other thing that's important. Well, well, you're, you're not a Gator fan, are you? I am. Oh, come on. Come on. Gators are okay. Oh, man. Not, but Gator fans, they're different. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, good thing you're on opposite sides on. of the table. Lita, welcome to you, Lita Collins. You. you are a medical esthetician. What does that mean exactly? Um, skin care um, on a medical field as far as um, products that we use and the chemicals that we use are a little bit different than like a day spa that you would, you know, services you would get at a day spa. So, um modalities are different we work with chemicals and just go a little bit deeper into the skin and you know are you from mississippi i'm from houston texas originally houston texas mm-hmm. all right what is your sports team <laughs> who do you root for <laughs> i'm not really a sports fan okay so tell me this so um for people who may not um be uh familiar with like what estheticians do so what ki- what's a typical day for you so what kinds of things do you do um Primarily probably facials where, you know, people come in and they have issues with their skin and we kind of try to solve it. Every every face is a different um, problem, you know, like a puzzle that you have to solve. So, so you, you guys do facials and you also do. So I know everybody always talks about how they can get their wrinkles and things to go away. So for like fillers or for Botox injections, which I think people might be familiar with. And is that kind of also in the realm of aesthetics as well and what you would do? Definitely. Um, We talk about everything. We um, work together with the other side of the the office with the injectables and all that. But my main concern is getting their skin healthy and to the point it needs to be so that you know it looks good after it's filled and plumped. You still want your skin to glow and be pretty so and be healthy. Awesome. Um, does a facial include, or is it, or maybe part of it is a um, a facial peeling or ablation? Is that part of it? Peels are wonderful. Yeah, um, did we she do say that. Ablation. Yeah. She did. That sounds scary. <laughs> is that the wrong word? <laughs> maybe maybe like abrasion, like the microdermabrasion or okay. something. I think. It's okay. The, Never mind. Oh gosh, I was like an ablation. That no, but the ablation. That's like that's in my world. That's kind of what we do. Okay. Too. Well, uh, we're not going down we're, there. We're not down there. We're not down there today. We're on the other end. Okay. <laughs> so a facial peeling. I think that that is being something very harsh. That's not the case. No. Um, they've come a long way. There are definitely deeper peels um, that you could do, but, you know, we try to make it as comfortable as possible for the patient so that they're 
not scared to death to do another one because and, they really are good for you. And what exactly is the purpose of, so people may hear about these or these procedures or they hear the terms. What exactly is the purpose of, say, for example, um, a chemical peel or, and that may, so that's, uh, we're trying, I'm trying to use the layman's term. So the chemical peel or this concept of microdermabrasion, which is another terminology that that can be applied to something that can be done to the face. What's really the purpose of those kinds of techniques or procedures? What does that do for the skin? How does that contribute to the health of the skin? Um, In a nutshell, you're creating controlled injuries on on the face, um, a small area, so your body reacts to that by healing itself. And it prompts, you know, cell turnover, collagen production, increasing your elasticity in your skin because things slow down and they kind of get you know lazy so when you when you prompt it to heal itself then everything gets cranked up again so yeah because we all know that after 25 the collagen starts tanking i remember hearing that in medical school and just like cringing because it's like you know we all have these landmark times of our lives for certain things right so there's so for women, we think about like menopause or the change of life, and that's supposed to happen around 52 is like the average age. And then you think about, oh, well, if you're talking about reproductive age and capacity, then 35 is your landmark. And then beyond that, you're considered, quote, advanced maternal age. And so is there a particular time? So we talk about, I remember hearing that collagen production starts to decrease around the age of 25 in your mid-20s. So is there kind of a particular age where where you see a significant change in skin or is that something that you can kind of have like a little fountain of youth so to speak by doing certain things and kind of push that timeline back a little bit yeah so that's very variable from person to person some of that's genetic some of it's what you do to your skin and how, how well you protect your skin we always talk about you know sun damage as being probably one of the major things that you can change obviously you can't change your genetics and you're kind of set with that but um you know really i mean protecting your skin from the sun is probably the number one thing that you can really do to try to uh reduce the aging effects um you know and then uh other than that, then just taking really good care of it as far as some of the things that Lita's talked about. There are different, a variety of different products that you can use that will help also. I'm going to let Lita talk about that some more. But the main thing is just starting off by protecting it. But yeah, I mean, what age is it that you really start to age is totally variable from person to person and genetically determined. But, you know, in the 20s, yeah, absolutely. That's exactly when things start to really uh, begin to head south for most people. And the older yeah. I get it, the more I want to say to young women and girls, Knock it off. You're going to regret this later. <laughs> I promise you're going to regret this later because you never think you're going to get old. So you stay out in the sun for hours and hours. And Well, not just that. Just... I think our bodies are very forgiving to us in our, in our teens and 20s. And we are able to abuse them in ways and still not um, have the negative consequences or at least you don't have the immediate um, you don't see immediately the right. effects of that. But it'll come back to haunt you exactly. later. And then the other thing is that it can lead you and this kind of goes back I think to what you said. It can lead you to have the situation occur where you believe that oh well those rules don't apply to you and so you set up these bad behaviors or you create these habits that really in turn can accelerate aging or that can do more damage more quickly. Say for example 
like you're the person who gets the gorgeous tan and you don't burn very easily, et cetera. And so you get used to not using sunscreen or not applying it appropriately and all those other things, or you'll put it on your body and forget about your face or those kinds of things, not wearing hats and all of that. And then the next thing you know, you know, 15 years pass and it looks like 30 years have passed. (laughs) Dr. Jordan, let me ask you, um, laser surgery versus, I don't know, uh, conventional surgery is is laser surgery used more well I mean it's it certainly used more than it was 20 or 30 years ago because there's more types of lasers that are available and really as time has gone on one of the things that has happened is that the lasers have become better as far as causing less downtime and less lengthy healing periods. And I think that's been a big advantage that we've seen in the last 10 years with particularly fractionated lasers. Um, la- lasers are not commonly used, actually, when you think about surgery, like a facelift. I mean, people may talk about a laser facelift, but really it's not a laser is not really used very much for that. It's more commonly used for skin surface issues like resurfacing, which you could compare that to a chemical peel um, and those sort of things. And it is actually a facelifting is still facelifting. It's still done uh, in, a, in a fashion that you might imagine. We're going to go ahead and take our first call of the hour. And Frank is calling in from Jackson. Frank, go ahead. Good morning. Good morning. I was glad to talk to professionals. <laughs> well, we're glad you called, Frank. What's your question? I am appalled, I use that word a lot, professionals refuse to emphasize diet. Now, your skin is the largest organ on your body, and what you eat has a big effect on how your skin responds because the skin is a major artery of getting toxins out of the body. If you're eating a, a standard American diet, a lot of fat, a lot of sugar, a lot of alcohol, uh, you're basically setting your body up to rebel against that food, to try to get those toxins out of your body. And the first thing that the body does is try to get it out through the skin. You eat an onion and the body doesn't like it, you skin exudes onion. Eat a, 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 a garlic, body doesn't like it, comes out through your skin. You drink, body doesn't like it, wants to get rid of it comes out through your skin. Okay, Frank, we get it. <laughs> we get it. You're the expert today. <laughs> I think that our uh, our doctor will agree that diet is pretty important when you say that, Dr. Jordan. Absolutely it is. And Frank, you're, you're definitely correct. I mean, many of the things that you eat do affect the way your skin ages over time. Uh, you know, I would still go back to the same thing that I said earlier is that sun exposure is by far the most important uh, determinant of how your skin is going to look when you're 60 and 70. Uh, but diet and diet and, you know, maintain Maintaining a good exercise regimen, uh, maintaining your weight uh, into a, an ideal body weight, and uh, not and, and avoidance of overuse of anything. No, too much too much alcohol is not good for you. Smoking cigarettes is not good for your skin. All those things are bad for you. And certainly, maintaining a healthy diet with uh, you know good fruits, a good you know as is recommended, fruits, vegetables, etc., uh, is going to be better for you over the long run in all all fashions, and not just your skin, of course. Yeah, and I think Frank's right about um, just the concept of I guess uh, the way the old people used to say it is garbage in, garbage out. Like if you put bad things in, you wouldn't expect to have good things to come out of that. And so 
the the more that you put healthier things into your body, the healthier you would expect your body to be in return. And I think it's the same. It's like we we would never think of driving our cars with um, putting substandard materials into our cars. We would never think about driving our cars and not refilling our tanks and not doing the maintenance that it requires and needs if we expect our cars to continue to be reliable and to be good to us. And I think using that analogy and taking it a step further and thinking about how we treat our bodies and um, that are that we're using throughout the course of this life. If you're good to your body, then your body tends to be good to you. And I think that's about what you, and at the very basic level, um, it begins with what you put into it, I think. But um, in addition to a great diet um, and, and doing those things, that there are some other things that people may also need um, to kind of help them get to their you know, what they feel is their best. Frank, thanks for bringing that up. We appreciate it. Time for our first break. If you'd like to give us a call, we're talking about facial aesthetics. Sounds so fancy. (laughs) Facial aesthetics. The number to call is 1-877-MPB-RING, 877-672-7464, or send an email to women at mpbonline.org. You're listening to Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. Bob Mankoff has edited the New Yorker's cartoons for two decades. My targets are either myself or people like me. I don't punch down, I don't punch up, I elbow to the side. Next month, he steps aside, but he says he's not done with humor for good. I'm Audie Cornish, the New Yorker's Bob Mankoff, this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. News you can trust in radio built around you. Mississippi Public Broadcasting. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, women at mpbonline.org. Welcome back. I'm Karen Brown. Dr. Michelle Owens is here. We have Dr. Uh, Dr. Randy Jordan is here and Lita Collins is here. We are talking about facial aesthetics, which is improving your face, the way you look, the way you feel, all those good things. And we're going right back to the phones where is it Renita? Trinita, yes. Oh, Trinita. Trinita's calling in from Brandon. Go ahead, Trinita. Okay. Um, I want to know how do you work with coarse facial hair on your chin and on your upper lip for ladies? Um, I've always heard that if you shave it, it comes back thicker, and if you wax it, it can peel the skin off. So 
Can you help me with that? Right. And so, you know, exactly. That's very troublesome, obviously, to, to a lot of people uh, that have that condition. Uh, shaving does not make the hair grow back thicker. It does seem thicker because when it's short as a stubble, the, the hair follicle, the hair shaft is more rigid when it's short and it'll seem stiffer, but it does not actually cause it to grow back thicker. Uh, depilatories, uh, creams, et cetera, like Nair and things like that are fairly harsh on your face. So we don't really recommend those typically. Uh, laser skin, la- laser, um, hair removal is very effective for dark, thick hair in people with lighter skin tones. If you have dark skin, the pigment in the skin competes with the pigment in the hair follicle for the laser's energy so you can get burned. So there's a certain type of laser that you can use successfully, but it's much more difficult to treat facial hair with a laser in someone with darker skin types. The ideal candidate is somebody with pasty white skin and thick black hair. Those people get very good results, and they can get fairly permanent hair reduction or removal with a laser, whereas if you have much darker skin, it's going to be more difficult to get a permanent result. But And also because there's there's a safety factor you know, in that you can get burned by the laser if you have darker skin, too. Lita, do you have any recommendations in that regard? Um, dermaplane is a great um, option, which is a scalpel, and we just basically scrape the dead skin and the hair off. And like Dr. Jordan said, so many people are worried about the regrowth um, factor, and it does not affected at all it's not affecting the follicle and that's hormones and medicine things like that can affect your how your hair grows back but not dermaplane and let me point out that uh for anyone any female with facial hair the first step is to make sure that you don't have polycystic ovary syndrome and i'm sure yeah that's Dr. where Owens i was going with that that's why i cut you off today. oh no it's fine um so see that that's how you know we are we are live and unscripted here because dr jordan was like totally reading my mind right then because i was just gonna say in addition if you are a female and you have unwanted facial hair if you notice that it's growing in unusual distributions etc that you definitely um in addition to perhaps seeking the aesthetic part of getting the hair taken care of, you also want to make sure that there's not a treatable underlying cause. Um, and so evaluation by a physician or a medical professional is definitely um, acceptable and would be advised because it, all hair growth is not the same. And so um, it's really important to determine their hereditary reasons. And that's one of the most common things. If a woman tells me that she has unwanted hair growth, one of the first things I ask is, well, can you show me a picture of the women in your family or are there other women in your family who are hairy? Um, but aside from that, just making sure that we rule out any hormonal changes because hormonal issues can lead to abnormal hair growth in women, and that's something else that you want to consider as well. Trinita, thank you very much for your phone call. I appreciate it. Oh. Oops, I see I cut her off. See she was there? saying, oh, Karen, you're quick I'm on sorry, the draw today. Quick draw, Karen. I want to say like, one more thing about that, if I can. Uh, in a patient with darker skin, since um, laser uh, hair removal is somewhat more difficult and not as successful, there's another drug they can consider, Beniqua, which is a cream which actually suppresses hair follicle growth. The downside is that you have to continue to use it or the hair will begin to grow back. But that is one thing that I've used successfully in patients with darker skin. Patients with darker skin also get uh, tend to get some hyperpigmentation around the follicles, the hair follicles, and that may be amenable to being treated with one of the skin lightening products. Too. What about plucking? That does affect the follicle. Is it bad to pluck? No, there's nothing wrong with that uh, at all. That doesn't uh, mean grow back faster. Mm-hmm. And no. you can, um, I mean, some. So you can, so you can wax uh, as well. I mean, that's a good way for hair. It's a, a another option for hair removal. Um, but the other part, and I'll 
kind of plug our folks here that the the esthetician who does that like you people sometimes just wax themselves at home or whatever and they're not trained on how to do it appropriately and so sometimes um because um trinita just mentioned you know you can pull off skin and i think um you need to make sure that if it's being done that the person who's doing it is someone who knows how to do it and to do it correctly so that you minimize the trauma um related to um excess waxing or whatever because it's true that you can like have you can pull it to the point that the skin comes off and you can make things much worse by having additional trauma to the skin or wherever you happen to be trying to take the um trying to take the hair off so just make sure that you're doing it by somebody who's trained in the appropriate way to do it and if you're trying to do something that's going to actually improve your appearance you probably want to not have amateurs doing it i just think it's good to have people who are skilled professionals to do those kinds of things because there's nothing worse than you having a faux pas when you're trying to beautify and you end up messing it up that's With scarring we have an email and dr jordan i think this is for you my ophthalmologist thinks my insurance will pay for eyelid surgery because i have enough droopiness that my upper lid lays on my lashes when asked if my eyes would look better, he said yes, but we're, we're more, we were more concerned with improving my eyesight. I'm concerned with both. After this test, should I contact a plastic surgeon or just stick with the ophthalmologist? Well, that's a good question. I think many ophthalmologists perform upper lid blepharoplasty, which is the operation that you're talking about. Many of them do a very good job with that as well. I would certainly seek out somebody who has that as part of their practice. Uh, and there are many people uh, in Jackson that do that. And otherwise, a plastic surgeon would be a competent person to seek an opinion from that as well. What does that entail, that procedure? Uh, the procedure involves removal of excess skin from the upper eyelid. Uh, it can be done under local anesthesia with light sedation in an office setting, typically. Uh, as far as upper lid blepharoplasty is concerned, anyway. And usually, the recovery is fairly quick, and, and the operation is typically very successful for most patients. There's that word, blepharoplasty. <laughs> That's eyelid. Surgery. <laughs> what is the most common procedure that you do? Is it a total facelift or eyes? Uh, well, the most common procedure I do is injection with the neurotoxin such as uh, Botox or Dysport. Or that's by far the most common thing that we do in an office setting. Second would be the use of a filler, one of the hyaluronic acids such as Restylane, Juvederm, and that family. Anyway, and then after that, it would probably actually be facelifting would be the most common cosmetic procedure that I do. So why is this? So why is it common? Is it common because there's just a high demand for it? Is it common because it's um, easy and there's like it's a minimal minimal effort to get great results like what do you think is what are the drivers for you and for the people who come to you for you talk about Botox just for yeah for for the things that you mentioned as being the things that you do the right. most common so the injectable things like Botox and fillers are really pretty easy for patients the recovery period is very short uh, and for Botox, it's a matter of minutes to recover from that, actually. It's you know. like there are needles involved, right? Very tiny. Uh, very you're tiny. talking to someone who's very afraid of needles. Yeah, many, so and, anybody tells you, Owen's oh, got Botox, you know it's not true. Many, uh, uh, <laughs> many patients actually say they couldn't even feel it. Seriously, it's that small. It's a very tiny needle. And, you know, people do very well with it, basically. So any kind of wrinkles that are due to muscle expressions, that you can relax the muscle. like Your the, happy lines. The 11 lines, the frown lines on your forehead. I did, you what if they're longitudinal? 
know. What if they're the ones those that snake across well. the front of your right. head as opposed to the up and down? You don't have any of those, though. So. Look, <laughs> I'm trying to have You guys can't figure out. up and down on their forehead. You can get the 11 right The 11 lines between their eyes, by the way. Between your eyes. up and down. That's the most probably the most common place to treat, actually, is the 11 lines. It's right in here. Where else would you put Botox? Just the forehead area? So it's approved for a periorbital all around the eyes, the forehead, typically the places that are most commonly used, so crow's feet, uh, forehead wrinkles. I was just going to say, can the little, mm. the little thingies? How long does it last? How long does the effect Typically last? three months for most people. Uh, and the interesting thing is you can actually get some elevation of the eyebrows also by using Botox in a certain fashion. To make you, you look more bit. awake? <laughs> wider eye because you know all of our brows come like everything else right gravity takes effect there too yeah. everything else starts sagging going down so by lifting the brow lifting the eyebrows up a little bit with some botox can be very helpful for hmm. a lot of people anyway but yeah i think it's 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 an easy thing for people to do it makes them feel better they look better uh, people are very satisfied with that treatment so typically. how do you know if you need the neuromuscular agents like the botox or or the filler how do you know which one you need right that's a good question because basically like i said before the any anything that is due to expression any wrinkles that are formed from expressions like frowning can be relieved by uh by the neurotoxins by botox and dysport and zeomin those are the three that are on the market currently and then things where you've lost some fat or some volume uh where you have a deep line maybe along the side of your nose you know, the, the nasolabial fold etc those are things that can be helped by fillers by replacing mm-hmm. and restoring the volume that you've lost with age. There's a thought. You lose some fat and somebody wants to put some stuff back in there. That's right. That's right. Yeah. where you put it. Alita, I wanted to ask you about daily face care. Okay. What What do we do? What's important there is on some a daily basis? Very important basics that I feel like everybody should implement into their regimen. Um, sunscreen, first and foremost. A vitamin C for morning time only to protect you all day just from free radicals and environment and things like that, Um, and a retinol at night, a decent moisturizer just to keep you hydrated. And those are kind of just the, you know, hitting the top of it. Hydrator during the day and at night, overnight? If you're using a retinol, you know, that's going to depend. Some of them work better alone. Um, Depends on what kind of retinol you Okay, I'm the stupid one. What is retinol? Um, It's retinoic acid. It's a, a product that's related to vitamin A. And you've, probably most people are familiar with Retin A, which is the oldest variety of that uh, retinol. That was, so, that was, that was kind of harsh. You right, know, ret- exactly. Retin A kind of got a bad rap because the side effects are pretty significant or used to be at one when It when tends to be push. very drying mm-hmm. for a lot of people. So and, they get those bad chapped lips, really bad. Yeah. And, uh, and so the retinols are milder and still effective, uh, but not as drying or irritating as some of the uh, retinoic acid product, other products can be like Retin A. But as an aside, for women who are reproductive age, we always um, want to make sure that you are very cognizant if you are using a retinol um, because um, higher levels of, we always want women to limit their vitamin A because the byproducts can sometimes be um, toxic and especially retin-A and retinols are not recommended during pregnancy. So um, we just want people who are of reproductive age or who are pregnant who also want beautiful skin. You might want to let your hormones do it or try not to use any of those um 
particular substances because they aren't recommended during pregnancy. All right, we're going to get back to uh, you, Lita, with some more details, but we need to take our break. If you want to give us a call, we're talking about facial aesthetics today, and the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or send an email to women at mpbonline.org. We'll be back on Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and a state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by the generous support from you, our listeners. It doesn't have to be just like the last time that we played or just like the record. People are going to leave after the show tonight and say, man, that was fun. Elton Wire, watch it live Friday at 10 on MPB Television. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, women at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy for Women. I'm Karen Brown here with Dr. Michelle Owens, here with Dr. Randy Jordan and Lita Collins. We're talking about facial aesthetics, how to get the the most out of the way you look and how, the, how you feel, how your face feels, how your face looks. And we're talking about, uh, what well, we were talking about before the break, uh, daily regimen, which we're going to get back to because we have a phone call we want to get to first. Beverly calling in from Tupelo. Hi, Beverly. Hello. Beverly, Beverly, are you there? Oh, great. We can hear you now. How are you? Hello. Hey. I'm fine, thank you. What's your question? I, well, my question is, there have been rumors and internet blurbs about Botox um, perhaps being a, a cause of dementia. And I want to know, have any reputable studies been done that link cosmetic use of Botox to dementia? No, there are not any. 
I'll just answer that for you right there. The um, and one of the things is the the doses that are you that are used for aesthetic purposes are very very small compared to the doses that are used for some other issues like cerebral palsy and muscle spasms and things along that lines. And so actually, the um, side effects that are seen with Botox with those very high doses are totally different from the ones that you would see with the aesthetic purposes. Uh, there are no reputable studies that show a relationship to dementia. There are some studies that show that there are a few patients that get headaches after the use of cosmetic Botox, but interestingly mm-hmm. enough, as you know, Botox is also used to treat headaches, so how do you figure yeah. that out exactly? Yeah. Uh, and, and another interesting thing is depression in Botox. There's mm-hmm. The uh, Allergan, the company that makes Botox, is about to seek FDA approval for the use of Botox for the treatment of depression, so who oh. knew? I mean, how can you think that that would... Right. Re- yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's every year it seems like something else comes out that this drug is an effective agent to treat besides just the things that we think about, which are wrinkles and so That'd on. That'd be awesome. So your headaches go away. Then you can also, like, you look better and you feel better. God, love it. That's yeah. great. Your headaches it's go away about, along with your wrinkles. Well, for, for, migraine, for migraine headaches, it's about, it's about a 30% response, response rate for migraine headaches. Yeah, and we've had some neurologists who um, have come on who talk about the use for, of uh, Botox in, that, in, uh, treating, in the treatment of headaches and have had some really good success with it. Good question, Beverly. Awesome. Thanks so much for calling. Thank you. And Leave you know there's some animal studies where they're, like they've been actually using um, Botox in an effort, and they're investigating whether or not it actually decreases or could be protective against development of dementia. So who knows? It's I right. think the jury's still out on what, if any, um, the relationship is that exists. But I think that's kind of neat, and it's it's kind of interesting to see how things unfold as people are investigating these things, how they find more and more, how they may be associated with other medical conditions. I want to get back to the daily regimen, if we can. Um, Lita, you... Uh, staying on task. I'm staying on task. Did I interrupt you, Dr. Jordan? Did no. you want to say something? No, you're fine. See, that's that's me interrupting. I'm sorry. <laughs> At least she didn't hang up on you. Click. <laughs> sorry. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for doing this. Um, Lita, you talk about moisturizer, and there are trillions of products out there, it seems like. What do you look for for the best ingredients that are going to be most beneficial to your face? Hyaluronic acid, um, first and foremost. Is gonna what is it? Hyaluronic, hyaluronic acid. Hyaluronic acid. And the difference in that and just the moisturizer is it's an actual hydrator. So it's going to stimulate the molecules in your skin to hold on to the moisture that you give it, whether it's internally, you know, drinking a lot of water, which is very important. Um, earlier when we were talking about food and the right food, people don't realize that dehydration totally affects the way your skin looks. So lots and lots of water is important. Hyaluronic acid, um, just it makes your skin, it retrains your skin to hold on to moisture because as we grow older, just like everything, it starts to decrease. We have it in our skin, obviously, but um, it just kind of drops off. And, and we you have probably to just, it. by saying that as, a, as an ingredient, you probably just drop 90% of what's on the shelves, right? Yes. A good pharmaceutical grade product, you know, that you would get at a, um, a facility like, like ours that, you know, you can... You get a better product than if you go to Walgreens or, or somewhere sure. like that just because it has better ingredients and more um, active ingredients in it than over-the-counter products. Are there uh, moisturizers that are actually doing harm, like by clogging your pores and making your skin react in a negative way? Yeah, I see a lot of um, people who come in and say they have whiteheads, which are actually melia, um, and that is basically your skin holding on to 
like cold creams and things of a high molecular weight that are going to you're it's just like stuffing your mouth full of food you can't you're you can't swallow it so same way with your skin if you put too much on your skin it doesn't know what to do with it so you just have to keep um your molecular weights in mind you don't want to overfill your skin with a bunch of thick heavy products you also said to take a vitamin c um serum oh serum mm-hmm. yeah a vitamin, vitamin c. c serum mm-hmm. and so here's a uh, so I'm going to, since you talked about Melia and some other things and overloading your skin, um, I will tell you that once I, um, I had a, I have a skincare cream that I use. It's a moisturizer and it has um, salicylates in it because, which is like an anti-inflammatory. Um, and I purchased one that was like compared to the brand that I usually purchase because I was traveling and they didn't have it. So I grabbed it because it looked similar. It was even in, packaged in a similar bottle. And I know that we have to be very careful because and people may not be aware of this, but whether it's hydrocortisone or steroid creams and those kinds of things, when you're putting things on your face, the skin on the face is, tends to be much more sensitive. I think it might even be a little thinner than the skin in other places. And so as a result, you have to be careful because the stuff that you put on your elbow, you can't necessarily put on your face. Well, this was built for the face, but I think that the percentage of the active ingredient there was a little bit high because I put that, I put it on and the minute I put it on, I could feel my face burning, not the little menthol tingly thing that you get in some of these things that makes you feel like it's doing something. But I actually ended up with these small little chemical burns underneath the base of my eyes, it was so mortifying. I was at a conference. I had to be in front of people and speak. And I had these little red burns across the bottom of my face from this off-brand name of facial cream that I will, that shall remain nameless. But I remember that was like a little wake-up call for me that you have to be really careful about what things that you use, even things that are over the counter, because some of them still may be very caustic or very harsh to that very ginger sensitive skin on your face. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can go. You're and, laughing at me, and you Randy. Can, well, no, Randy's you can go on the Internet and buy <laughs> chemical peel solutions and things like that, you know. But as they say Direct on TV, don't try this at home. <laughs> He's laughing at me. This was I, that was a vulnerable moment. I'm sure moment. it was terrible. I'm it sorry, was a vulnerable moment for face. me. It was horrible. And, and Randy's laughing at me. All right, there we're going go. to the phones. <laughs> we're so sorry that happened to you, Dr. <laughs> Owens. Nancy is calling in from Mooreville. Hi, Nancy. Good morning. Do you have a question? I do. I have two questions. What can you do to make your lips look fuller and better? And also, what can you do to improve the health of your fingernails? I'll uh, answer the question about the lips. I'm certainly not much of an expert on fingernails, but I will talk to you about the lips anyway. So it depends on the person. Some people, um, one of the most common things to be used is uh, filler, an injectable filler such as Restylane or Juvederm, one of the hyaluronic acid products that we were talking about earlier. Uh, Of course, when you inject that, it will make your lip bigger too as well, but you don't have to overdo it and make it look too big as we have seen on some of the TV shows can be done readily. So you have to be careful with it, but that's certainly one of the easiest ways to do that. For wrinkles, themselves, that may be helpful for that as well, but also then you may have to consider something more aggressive in a resurfacing agent such as a deep chemical peel or even a laser uh, resurfacing. When you get an injection into your lips, 
is does it hurt? Is it comfortable? It's a needle, Karen. I know. No, I don't. Yeah. I don't mean. So I don't lips, mean the needle itself. I right. mean afterwards. Are you going to feel funny or is it awkward or? So there'll be some. First of all, yes. Think about it. Your lips are some of the, uh, one of the most sensitive areas on your body. So injecting your lips without, if you didn't use any kind of topical anesthetic or uh, any sort of pain relieving medicine, then yes, it would hurt very badly. But we do, I think, a pretty good job of trying to make sure the lip is is going to be comfortable while while you're being injected. You know, with that afterwards, there's going to be some swelling, possibly bruising. Typically, anyway, the swelling usually subsides in about three days for most people. The lip doesn't necessarily feel really any different for most for most people once the swelling has gone down. Uh, most people don't tell me that it feels any different at that point. I'm going to piggyback on um, Nancy's question because I've had this question. So, and and perhaps maybe um, you can give us some more insight on this. So, she's talking about making them look fuller. How about if you just have like dry lips, or if you suffer from like chronic dryness? I know. First of all, being well hydrated is the best way not to have dry skin surfaces. But aside from that, is there some kind of like, do you need to exfoliate or do some kind of, is there a lip peel or a lip moisturizer? I know that sunscreen can be an important part of that as well. Like, what do you do for lip care if you really want that moist, like soft puckering kind of? Well, and who doesn't want that? Absolutely. But I mean, I'm talking about not just how it looks, but how it actually feels so that you can, how do you deal with that? Um, There are several products that you can use, some peptides and, um, you know, a lot of people, when they wash their face, they tuck their lips in. Um, You should treat it just like the rest of your face. You should cleanse them and exfoliate them. Um, If you're using an exfoliator, gently exfoliate your lips and a good moisturizer in in the, you know, made for lips like the peptide, um, peptide products and things like that just to keep it hydrated but again the the water issue you know keeping it hydrated from inside is a can big you answer thing. the question about the nails Lita? <clears throat> okay dr owens how about you so one of the things and i hate to sound like a broken record but one of the things that can really help for for nail strength is just making sure like being hydrated is something that's really important um, and when you most and it's it's a challenge for anyone but especially like during the summer months when we tend to be when it's warmer and people are outside doing things and more active your body needs much more um, much more fluid and so it's really hard for people to be adequately hydrated um, and that's one of the keys for like healthy nails and keeping them from being so brittle. Um, sometimes you want to make sure you don't have a vitamin deficiency because vitamin deficiencies can also sometimes lead to brittle nails. There's some chronic uh, medical conditions that can also contribute to having um, problems with your nails. But um, I think one of the biggest things is just making sure that you um, are getting all of your ADEK vitamins. So I kind of think about those are the things for like healthy hair, skin, and nails. If you are... Um, if you make sure that you are having a diet that's rich in those things or that you are taking supplements that provide that and staying well hydrated are two of the best things you can do to improve the strength of your nails. Thank you so much for your questions, Nancy. Appreciate it. We need to take our final break of the show. If you want to give us a call, now's the time. While there is still time, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring one 672 or send an email to women at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back.
This is Jim Dees, host of the Thacker Mountain Radio Hour, inviting you to join us this Saturday at 7 p.m. for a very special program. We'll be featuring Jim Dickinson's posthumous memoir, I'm Just Dead, I'm Not Gone, and the reissue of Willie Morris's sports essays, Always Stand In Against the Curve. We'll also have Lily Winwood as our musical guest, the daughter of Steve Winwood, Saturday night at 7 p.m. on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Here comes Jim D. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, women at mpbonline.org. Can you tell us about faces in general? That kind of thing. Welcome back to Southern Remedy for Women. I'm Karen Brown. Here with Dr. Michelle Owens, Dr. Randy Jordan, Lita Collins. We are talking about facial aesthetics, and we're getting down to the, what do they call it, the final? To the wire. Down to the wire. That's what I was trying to think of. Home stretch. Uh, We still have time, maybe for another phone call. We have a couple people waiting on the line. I'm not going to give the phone number out. Let's just go to the phone. Mikey's calling in from Mobile. Hi, Mikey. Hey, good morning. Hey I'm there. Jewel. I'm, I'm really, I'm always so happy to speak with you two ladies. You're just, just wonderful people. Thanks for and, calling, um, Mikey. What's your question? Um, well, I have comments. Oh, great. Um, instead of the lip thing, what works for me? <laughs> okay, remember, it's me now. <laughs> playing harmonica. Oh, my. Yes, playing harmonica, think Big Mama Thornton, you know, just go for it. I mean, it's a very inexpensive little instrument. It fits in your purse, you know, it's like it gives you great um, uh, respiratory um, action in addition because it works both on the intake and the outtake. But it also has a side benefit of, you know, reducing those wrinkles around your lips and it puffs them up. Mikey, you might be on to something. I can see it now. Mikey from Mobile and her her oh, harmonica workout. And it can be like a workout for your lips. Uh, Now, the other thing that I have, now, this is the question that I have, because as I was sitting here um, uh, using the um, nail polish that I had bought years ago, um, because I found that they're wonderful for marking your tools so that nobody take, when somebody, look, a thief is not so willing to walk down the street with something that has princess written on it in pink, Right. This is a good point. Use a nail polish. And and the question I'm getting to is, uh, uh, in addition to, you know, keeping from being, you know, having people steal your stuff that way, um, fingernail things. I do a lot of things uh, that involve my hands, um, uh, particularly gardening, um, tool-type things and stuff like that. Um, I found that, that nail polish, which is why I'm using it to mark my tools instead of putting every time I put it on my fingernails it made them brittle it made them split crack and fall off well I think depending on what kind of polish you use um, that can be a part of it because the quality of polish can vary greatly Um, additionally um, we talked about you know 
what you take in, the fluids, etc. But you also want to make sure that you keep your cuticles moisturized. Um, but yeah, the kind of polish that you use, there are some that are kind of billed as hardeners. Sometimes those can make your um, nails, sometimes they can strengthen your nails, sometimes they have the opposite effect and can actually make them more brittle. Um, and when you said you do a lot of things with your hands, it also triggered another thing that would be a great tip for good nails. And that would be that, you know, depending on what you do, you might need to use protection. So you might need to cover your hands. For example, if you are a person who washes dishes very frequently, um, then you might want to use gloves during the time that you are washing dishes. Or if you have a lot of exposure with your hands and water, et cetera, you may need to, depending on your work environment, protect your hands from whatever it is in the environment that could also be detrimental to your nails. But I really appreciate your call. I do that. I do the gloves things at every opportunity. Gardening gloves, dishwashing gloves, um, uh, protectants against, you know, particularly when you're using chemicals um, uh, for anything. But also, it, they don't work for guitar playing. Okay. <laughs> this is true. I was just going to say, or the harmonica. So, Mikey, thank you so much absolutely. for calling. Appreciate it. We're going to keep our eyes out for that harmonica workout. <laughs> for your lips. Exactly. Um, I know we want to spend a little bit of time talking about sunblock, because it sounds like that's the biggest preventative for your face wrinkling up and not, not right. looking very good. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, people ask me all the time, what is the best kind of sunscreen to use? And the answer is the one that you will actually use. So you have to find one that you like and that you will put it on. And so for men, that's a particular, particularly difficult question, I, I guess. And I think of what I've found for me personally and a lot of other people like the spray-on type of sunscreens. And they're very quick. They're, you can get the kind now that are dry very fast and you can't even feel them. Um, and I'll just give you a couple names. There's the Neutrogena Ultra Mist, uh, mm -hmm. which is somewhat expensive, and you can get the CVS brand for about half price. It says it compares to the sunscreen on. It's also important in that you want to put it on very dry skin. You want to take a shower and get out and let your skin dry and put the sunscreen on right away after that. That way you're going to be pretty good for a long time. You said 50 or 70. That seems very high. Is that... That's what you should be using in the really? sun out in the south. Absolutely. If you're and trying even to, on your face? Absolutely. If you're, okay. trying, if you're trying to protect your skin, and especially during a sunny day, yeah, you should have 50 or 70 on for and, sure. And your head too, right? Like, My don't head, forget your head. I am bald-headed, and I spray the whole you thing, mean baby. You your head. So it, but. <laughs> using a 15 is pretty much worthless? It, most makeup has 15 in it, and it does help if you're only going to be in and out of the sun for short periods of time. But if you're going to be in the sun, like if you're going to the pool or you're going fishing or the beach, you need to put on something that's going to last you all day and protect you, and that's a 50 or a 70. And, you know, the higher the SPF, uh, the longer you can stay out in the sun, as you know. But also the higher the SPF, the most of the chemical sunscreens begin to feel sticky when you start getting above mm -hmm. 70. Most people don't like those. Again, you have to use it for it to be effective. So you have to find one that you like and one that doesn't feel uncomfortable for you and one that's pretty easy to put on. There are two different types of sunscreen, basically what I call a chemical sunscreen, where it binds to your skin, and then the physical blocks, which are the uh, zinc and titanium dioxide microparticulate sunscreens. Women like the, the blocks for their face because they come in powders and they're very nice. Mm -hmm. And um, one other thing to remember is when you're going to be outside, period, because the truth is that even if you're going to be out in the, sh in the shade, 
their their UV rays there too. So just make sure that you always protect yourself if you're going to be outside. And no matter what your skin type is. Absolutely. So if you if you miss that on This Is Us, if you are a person of darker dark, darker colored skin, those people also need brown people need sunscreen too. Absolutely. There you go. All right. Sunscreen for everyone. Dr. Randy Jordan, thank you for joining us. Lita thank Collins, you. thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Southern Remedy for Women is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. It's funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by generous support from the MPB Foundation. Today's show was engineered by, well, it was tag team today, Liz Gill and Jay White. They handled the board and the call screening. For Dr. Michelle Owens, I'm Karen Brown. I hope you'll join us next Friday at 11 for Southern Remedy for Women. And stay tuned. NPR's Here and Now is next on MPB Think Radio.